Welcome to the Cowboy Chronicles, the Oklahoman's Oklahoma State Athletics Podcast. I am your host, Scott Wright, joined by Jacob Unruh, coming to you from the Mobile Podcast Studio following Oklahoma State's 21-16 loss in the Big 12 title game. A, uh, a wild game, uh, fantastic finish, uh, but, uh, but only fantastic, I guess, if you're Baylor. Uh, they, uh, they, they make the stop, the goal line stop at the end. And uh, and finish it off with a Big 12 title. So, um, a uh, a frustrating ending for Oklahoma State. Uh, a lot of frustrating moments for Oklahoma State throughout the day. And uh, we'll get to uh, as much of it as we can, and uh, and talk a little bit about uh, about where this team might go bowling as well. So, we'll uh, we'll talk about it all, Jacob. But um, it was uh, it was such a, a weird day. And then to have uh, have Oklahoma State play as poorly as they did for for the first half, really, and and then still get themselves back into the game, and have a chance to go win it at the end was was pretty remarkable. Yeah, um, I'm a sort of I'm tired. <laughs> that game wore me out. I think right. Um, there was a lot, um, and I think you're right. The most remarkable thing is they were in that game at the end. They had no business being in that game the way they played the first half. No. I mean, the defensive numbers aren't going to show up. The defense struggled. The short fields didn't help, but it wasn't the defense we were accustomed to seeing right. necessarily. Spencer Sanders struggled. Um, the offensive line struggled. Um, turnovers. N- no movement up front. It just was – it felt like this bleak disaster – that could have exploded at any moment on OSU. And somehow, some way, they fought back and really should have won that game. Yeah. When you look at the at the opportunities that they had in the red zone, inside the two-yard line in the final, uh, what, I guess eight minutes or so of the game. I don't remember when the the last field goal was kicked exactly. But um, but you look at, uh, at the opportunities they had down the stretch – and their ability to get to the two, get to the one, and uh, and not finish it off from there was uh, was incredibly frustrating. Their red zone offense for uh, for the game was uh, was very frustrating. It was one of the uh, one of the things that went against them uh, throughout uh, throughout the game. They had five red zone trips. They ended up with three field goals, uh, one touchdown, and uh, and the turnover on downs. Um, when you're kicking 23 yard field goals it's just not a good sign for uh, for what your offense is doing when you're kicking multiple 23 yard field goals yeah and and i'll make this point now people think we're upset that gundy kicked it when they were down eight and uh they got to what the two and right they got pushed back to the four all of a sudden because they had that fumble on the handoff yeah um and he kicked the field goal and i don't you know i told you at the time i still kind of lean this way i don't think it was the wrong call the offense was falling apart. Yeah, they were crumbling in those at moments. That point. And I think Gundy was smart to just say, "Let's just get the points, get out of here, let the defense get another stop, and we'll get the ball back." Yeah, and it worked out to Gundy's plan. It they did. just couldn't get it across six more inches. Yeah, I think Jalen Warren's absence was uh, was big, probably bigger than uh, than you realize. Uh, I think that he's got a. Uh, an ability to find yardage 
where there doesn't seem to be any yardage. Mm-hmm. And that was something that, that Oklahoma State really needed because they were not able to run the ball at all. Uh, the uh, the gaps just weren't there. When Dominic Richardson scored on the four-yard touchdown run, uh, I don't know how big that hole actually was, but it looked massive at the time. It felt like the Red Sea parted. Yeah. It was. Uh, it just felt huge at the time because they hadn't been doing anything in the run game. They hadn't been opening big holes like that uh, throughout the course of the day. Siaki Aika uh, was causing some real trouble for Oklahoma State. He's a monster. He is a uh, he is a big time player, a big dude, and a big player. So um, all the way around, just uh, really impressive performance by him in uh, in disrupting what Oklahoma State was trying to do in the uh, in the pass game and the run game. So really uh, an impressive performance. But, um, you know, you look at, at Spencer Sanders' day, uh, obviously a, uh, a really frustrating situation when you're throwing four interceptions, uh, two of them that were, uh, that were just bad throws, two of them that were, uh, were kind of wacky plays that, uh, that went the other direction. So, uh, but still, seven interceptions out of 12 this year come in two games against Baylor. And it's uh, it's pretty remarkable that they could have <laughs> could they could have almost won both of those games. Um, you know, obviously they won the first match, the ma- first matchup, and uh, and could have won the second. So, I think uh, I saw a stat OSU coming in today was five and zero when they lost the turnover battle. Wow, that's uh, that's pretty ridiculous. Obviously five and one now, yes. but to be able to pull that off. With that's a testament to defense, obviously. I mean, right. The defense just doesn't give up points, and today they did. That's the biggest difference. Um, you know, I don't know if this. You know, if the they weren't. I didn't feel like they were getting. They weren't getting any pressure on Blake Shapen at all. Right. And I don't know if it was play calling, mixing some things up in the secondary. If it was being conservative early i don't know but it just kind of put them in this hole and i kept thinking Knowles has to unleash a blitz here every once in a while right and it took a while that's the one question i have about that first half defense yeah it was uh, it was interesting to see them a lot of times rushing four maybe bringing a, a fifth uh player at times but not really sticking to really coming after shaping and and trying to cause trouble for him the way that they have other guys um they i don't know if they were trying to uh, you know trying to stick to some uh, some creative zone looks and man looks that they were uh, trying to confuse him and what they were showing him on the back end and uh, and using some extra guys to protect back there but they seemed in the first half really content with just rushing four and uh, and trying to get pressured that way and it uh, it just it wasn't working it wasn't uh wasn't disrupting him in the pocket at all, and obviously he uh, he was on point from the start. Goes 17 of 17 to start the game, and uh, and obviously Baylor scores their uh, their 21 points during that span. So um, obviously the defense adjusted the way that they needed to, and and made the stops in the second half that they uh, that they had to get. But it was just uh, just too big of a hill left to climb for the offense uh, with with all the struggles and and difficulties that they were having throughout the day. Um, I thought uh, I thought Malcolm Rodriguez played uh, played really well in uh, in his uh, one of his final games. Now 
This is coming down to the wire for uh, for his career. He's going to finish fourth on the all-time tackles list. Pretty impressive. He's not going to get to third. No. He's like 50-some-odd tackles away or right. something. It's, not uh, not getting there. It's not happening. Unless he has the bowl game of all bowl games. <laughs> yeah. Um, a lot of uh, a lot of things that, uh, that this team had to overcome today. And like you said, they were six inches away from overcoming all of them and walking away as Big 12 champions and giving themselves a shot at the playoff. Would have been really interesting to see how the playoff scenario played out. Uh, obviously, with uh, with Georgia having uh, having lost in a, uh, 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 it's a, I'll call it I'll call it a bad fashion. Uh, Cincinnati won uh, won by double digits, yeah, a couple of possessions in their game. Uh, Michigan uh, was winning last I saw over Iowa. That game's going on right now as we're recording this, so would have been a really interesting scenario to see how the committee viewed Oklahoma State's win over Baylor, another top 10 win it would have, is what it would have been, and, uh, and giving them a chance to, uh, to, to catapult themselves up into the top four, uh, but uh, not, not, uh, not going to happen now with, uh, with the way that, that, that things played out, but it would have been interesting to watch. Yeah, I think um, OSU fans should probably take a little Solace and and realizing you know Alabama won, so it made the path really hard even with the win yeah. for OSU. Um, I I lean to think they would have gotten in, but Cincinnati being dominant today made that a little shaky. So I just I like I think they would have looked very favorably on this kind of comeback considering how poorly things were going and the OSU rebounds. Yeah, but uh, there's solace there with Alabama winning. It changes the whole dynamic of OSU just winning and getting in right exactly would have been uh, would have been a lot uh, a lot tougher scenario it would have been a uh, would have been a nail-biting day for Oklahoma State now uh, if Michigan loses if Iowa wins tonight then all that solace is gone never mind yeah exactly um, all right anything else from uh, from the game that uh, that we need to get to I think we kind of hit all the high points pretty quickly there we we did um Trying to think if there was anything else. I don't think there was for you know the we I, I briefly mentioned the absence of Jalen Warren. Yeah. Um, you know the running back specifically wasn't necessarily a uh, a huge detriment throughout the game. I Desmond Jackson played really well. Uh, Dominic Richardson. I mean, I say played really well. Ran really hard. Yeah. And and so did Dominic Richardson when he was in. But the. Uh, the opportunities for yardage just weren't there. No, the offensive line didn't have a great day. No. And it put the running backs in a bad spot. It put Spencer Sanders in a bad spot. Yeah. You know, we talked briefly about his interceptions, but Sanders made bad decisions early, settled down, and I thought played pretty well after yeah. that and uh, did what he could. But Mike Gunny said all along all season, if he if there's not protection for Spencer, he struggles. Right. And there wasn't protection today. When he gets time, he's really good. And it was one of those days that he had he had times where he had protection and he threw the ball well and he looked really good in that last drive and uh, you know made good decisions late. But it just those early the early bad decisions really put OSU in a hole. Yeah, they they absolutely did. Um, you know those those first two picks were really 
really inexcusable. Uh, really bad, uh, bad decisions. Bad. The throws. second one really was the one that bothers me the most. Right. That was awful. That was uh, that was really bad. It was one of the worst interceptions you could possibly throw. Yeah. That was uh, that was just a disaster all the way around. Um, you know, if he if he gets some more air under that, Blaine Green is open and has some running room behind him, but just did not get it close to uh, to high enough to get it over the defender. So, um, you know, that's uh, that's that's tough to handle when you're an Oklahoma State fan and you've you've been on the Spencer Sanders roller coaster, mm-hmm. and it's even tougher when you've seen him play well the way that he did in uh, in the the seven games between the two Baylor games. You know, he has the three picks against Baylor the first time around. Then he he throws four interceptions over the next seven games, and really looks like a uh, a different quarterback, a different decision maker. Uh, he was he was being smart with the ball, not taking a lot of chances, and doing good things. And then and then he reverts to uh, to making bad decisions and and throwing the ball into into coverage. And um, I mean, he had a couple other throws on the uh, in today's game that I really thought were going to be picked. Yeah, um, that he got away got away with uh, one down the middle uh, in particular that it just felt like there were five white jerseys around the ball. And I don't know how the ball fell on the ground. Oh yeah, I mean, that was that was really bad. You and I both looked at that. That was not good. Yeah, it's it it's the you know the roller coaster is perfect because you feel like the Baylor one was kind of the low point of the roller coaster, right? And you go back up for seven games. Yeah, kept climbing, 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 and maybe OSU fans were waiting for that drop. Right, and it, it hit hard today. It did, it did. The bottom fell out today, and uh, and that's uh, that's frustrating. Uh, for uh, for for folks in Orange, so. But I give him props. He rebounded. He did. You know, I'm not gonna, I'm not going to uh, bash Spencer. You know, all the way around. I thought he, uh, I thought he played pretty well down the stretch. Yeah, he did, and um, his running ability was was really crucial in the second half. Um, not so much late in the game when they were having to throw to get down the field, um, but. Uh, early in the second half to get things going, he was able to move the ball and um, and run with it at times, and that was uh, that was important. Um, I know a, a lot of fans think that Shane Ellingworth should have been brought in at some point, but I just I just feel like Ellingworth will be a sitting duck behind this offensive line on yeah. a day like on a day like today, and I don't think that it would have uh, that it would have gone well. Um, he would have had number eight in his face a lot. Yeah. Yeah, it would have been it would have been really difficult for him, I believe. Um, and they were getting enough pressure that they wouldn't have had to drop a whole lot of guys in, or would have been able to drop a lot of guys into coverage and make his day even more difficult. So, um, you know, I, I think Illingworth's going to be a good quarterback, but he needs an offensive line that can protect him uh, because he is uh, he is not the type that's uh, that's going to get out and uh, get out of the pocket and run and uh, and get away from from tacklers. So. It's uh, it's it's frustrating if you're an Oklahoma State fan to uh, to have had the uh, the rug pulled out from you, uh, so to speak, with uh, with the Spencer Sanders roller coaster. But um, it's it's kind of what you have to live with at this point, I think. All right, anything else from the game? Or should we get on to uh, to bowl talk? Let's get on to bowl talk. 
I think it's uh, it's going to be interesting. There's only a, a couple of spots that look uh, that look likely for for Oklahoma State. Obviously, they have to stay in the uh, in the top 11 to guarantee themselves a a New Year's Six bowl. Um, and I think that'll happen. I don't think there's a yeah. big. I don't think that's a big uh, a big danger. I think of them they're going to say the top far. ten. I, I don't think they're going to fall that far. Yeah, no, I don't think so. I think they're safe there. And then it uh, it becomes the Fiesta Bowl or the Peach Bowl. I think are the uh, are the two that are on the table for them at this point. I I like to think the Fiesta Bowl. I want the Fiesta Bowl with Notre Dame myself. That would be I a find lot of the most intriguing matchup for them. They end up in the Peach Bowl with Pitt. Right. That's not that exciting. No. That's uh, uh, the Peach Pit is what it is. Yeah, it is. The Peach Pit, yeah. Yeah. Not a uh, not a not a thrilling matchup that uh, they get you all fired up for yeah. uh, for like a like a New Year's Six Bowl should. So that means Peach Pit made me think of Parks and Rec, sorry. Oh, okay. With uh Pekitis leaving the Peach Pit for Leslie <laughs> when he pranked her on Halloween. Sorry. Oh, that's all right. <laughs> I thought you were going to go back to the nine zero two one zero. I was, oh, I was really going to question. I don't know that one. I didn't watch that. That's, so. uh, that's all right. That's all right. <laughs> I didn't watch it either. I just know of the Peach Pit. So, oh, okay. Um, anyway, uh, the Peach Bowl. I think is uh, there's there's some talk that that might be a possibility just because of uh, the ability for the Fiesta Bowl to uh, to get Notre Dame and Michigan State together. Uh, two teams that, uh, that were once rivals um, back and, uh, and reunited in the Fiesta Bowl. That could be a uh, uh, something that the Fiesta Bowl tries to work out. Uh, we'll see what uh, what exactly happens with all of that on Sunday, and uh, should know by uh, what early afternoon, isn't it? The uh, the announcement. It's one uh, thirty, I think. I believe that's correct. So it's, uh, or twelve thirty, maybe. Yeah, maybe. I can't remember. It's in the uh, journal. Early, <laughs> early afternoon, uh, we'll know, and then uh, and then Mike Gundy will speak to the media about the game, and uh, a little bit later in the afternoon, and uh, and we'll have all of it covered from all angles in uh, in the Monday Oklahoman. So be sure to check that out. Um, the Sunday Oklahoman uh, is uh, is full of content as well. We had four writers and a photographer down here in in Arlington for. For uh, for the game, so we got all kinds of coverage in the Sunday Oklahoma. Be sure to pick that up and uh, and check all of that out. And um, not uh, not sure who on the uh, headline writing side that we need to uh, to give props to. That was pretty good headline. That was uh, it was really solid. We got a photo of of Des Jackson sitting on the sideline after coming up short on the uh, the final fourth down play, and the headline is pain no gain. It's a really good headline. Really well strong. done. Really strong. Uh, to toot our own horn so yeah um good stuff all right well um i think that uh, that about brings us to the most important thing i forgot the most important thing you forgot we got to give props to the crowd right yeah that's uh, that's a good one Sixty-five thousand people and i bet uh what do you think 40 40 40,000 45,000 probably were OSU uh, osu fans Including one Warren Clay, yeah, who uh, maybe fifty thousand, who got himself on the scoreboard or on the uh, on the big screen several times, one billion times, I think. Like <laughs> yes. he just every time I looked up at the big screen, it wasn't the football game; it was Warren Clay. Yes, it was crazy. That kid needed a nap at the end of the day. He's four years old, right? 
Hope he got some sleep in before kickoff. Man, I bet he did. That was wild. It was good for him, though. I I, I enjoy some Warren Clay. He's a fun little dude. He definitely. is. But the crowd was fantastic. There was so much orange there. Yeah. They are really into it. Um, second largest crowd since the game was restored. Yep. Um, it's hard to beat an OU Texas rematch crowd, which is the number one crowd. Right, yeah. Um, but that was a fantastic showing. It was. Big time. Uh, you could tell from early on that it was uh, that it was going to be an orange-dominated crowd, and they were loud and, um, you know, right there in it. It was uh, it was a really impressive performance by the fans uh, down in Arlington. So, all right. With that, I think that's uh, that's going to wrap it up. We'll uh, we'll be coming back to you. Uh, I don't know when. We'll see. Uh, we'll see how bowl selection uh, goes and. Uh, you know when we get to talk to players and things like that, and, but uh, we will definitely be podcasting again in the near future. So it's, uh, uh, so it's finals week next week for the yes, players. So it is not a lot of access, probably. No, definitely not. All right, but uh, for now, that will wrap up this edition of the Cowboy Chronicles. Thank you for listening. <laughs>